Welcome to another podcast by Victoria Point Baptist Church. We are glad you have joined us today. If you would like to connect with us as we aim to introduce people to Jesus by connecting with our local community and beyond, you can find out more at vpbc.com.au. I love our music team. I just embrace them and love them. When you're a speaker and you forget what you're going to say, you just keep rattling on and no one really knows until you sort of remember what you're going to say. I was thinking, though, so maybe we should make mistakes more often because the minute we did, you all started singing. Good that idea. It was great encouragement. So excellent. But the reason I love our team is God's gifted and blessed us, but there's a humility of spirit. I'm just so glad it's not a performance. I'm just so glad it's not always polished. It normally is. But the smiles, the, the, the joy, hey, yeah, I just love our music team, so let me be on record for that. Um, the other thing I need to be a record is we're not going to finish by <laughs> 10 o'clock this morning. Um, might be an hour from when we started or a little bit longer. <laughs> uh, I, I grew up in Maribor, as you know, and I was fortunate enough as a young boy to live near a slot car track. Uh, it, was, it was quite, it was probably oh, 10 or 12 metres long in configuration, so quite a decent thing. And most of the time I would spend some days there. It was just oh, 500 metres from our place. Um, but there was one, it must have been a Saturday night because my older brother was involved and I somehow, he must have had a weak moment, but he invited me to go with him. And we were there and we're having a great time. Uh, I think it was about seven. And uh, I looked out the window in my joy and saw Dad standing at the front door. I thought, whoops, what's he doing here? And I remember having these questions, am I in trouble? What's going to happen? Uh, It it just got a bit late for a seven-year-old boy who was having too much fun. I remember Dad being a bit cranky, I can't remember, but I didn't, yeah, there were no nasty consequences. Uh, But I can remember when I saw Dad, what are you doing here? Uh, I thought, hmm, this may not be good. I wanted to know what he was thinking. Uh, We come to this place where we see uh, Moses in a similar situation where God turns up in a burning bush. Um, I'm doing everything within my human power not to be distracted here because there's a great message about the burning bush. (laughs) Any old bush will do, it just depends who's in it, but that's for another day. (laughs) But here Moses comes to this place where he finds God. Uh, And not only does he just find God, but he's drawn to it through a miracle where there's this bush that cannot be consumed by fire. It just keeps on burning. And and Moses at this stage had been um, uh, a shepherd uh, for 40 years. And so there wouldn't be many things he hasn't seen. But he's never seen a bush that doesn't burn out. And the reason for that, uh, the reason for this miracle, is that God wants to get Moses' attention. He wants to draw him to himself, and he wants to get his attention. So Moses is drawn to this burning bush because, well, it's a miracle. It's not consumed by fire. But God's intention is to say, Moses, I've got something to say to you. And if nothing else today, nothing else that you remember, it would be this. Uh, God has something to say to you. God has something to say to me. God has, he continues to be an influence. His spirit lives within us. He's always talking, always guiding, always challenging. And he'll do all sorts of things to get our attention and say, I've got a word for you. Please listen. 
And here we see this miracle taking place uh, in Exodus chapter 3, from 2 to 3. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames. Moses saw that the bush was on fire, but it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. So something supernatural is taking place here. God is intentionally getting Moses' attention because he's got a message for him. But it gets worse for Moses. Not only does this bush not burn up or consume by fire, but the bush talks to him. (laughs) And we read this from verse 4 to 6. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Uh, Just a little, that's the most significant thing in this whole passage. Do not come any closer, said God. Take off your sandals for the place you're standing on is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham. Sort of does his CV, reminds him who he is. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. So Moses is now aware that God's in his presence. God's turned up. Probably a little less significant, but we've all had that experience. Have you ever had the boss sort of knock on your door at work? Or can you remember at primary school or high school the fear that we had when the principal came in? (laughs) You know, you're in your normal class and the principal comes in and everyone's going, what's he doing here? What's she doing here? Uh, Why are you here? And I'm sure it's the same question that Moses has. The overwhelming question is, what are you doing here? Do you know when you've had someone just turn up out of the blue? You get a knock on the door and it's your relatives. Just passing by, I thought we'd drop in. (laughs) And you're wondering, what are those suitcases doing in your hand? (laughs) If you're just drawing in, you're going, what are you here for? How long are you going to stay? So it can be quite confronting when we just have someone just turn up unexpected. Uh, And we have lots of questions. What are you doing here? Well, imagine Moses. He's a fugitive. Uh, He murdered someone. He's been hiding for 40 years. And and I'm sure he was thinking, once he found out it was God, he sort of thought, I know what's coming. Uh, I know it's on the way. But what brings you here, God, is what Moses is thinking. And I just want to plant this thought. This is what we should be asking all of the time, every day. What brings you to me, God? What is it your spirit's stirring? What is it you're saying? What is it you want me to know? What is it you want me to understand? Because it is this real life relationship with God as he makes his home within us and he's speaking to us all the time. And there is always opportunities where we go, what brings you to me, God? Because he always has a word for you. And if we're not aware of that, we've lost sight of how this relationship works. <laughs> And so Moses has this huge decision to make, and so do we. Moses at this minute can stay. I I understand why he's fearful. He's a fugitive. It's God. It's a burning bush that doesn't burn up and it speaks. (laughs) I would be afraid too. But I think there's some insecurities and worries there too for Moses, why he's afraid. What does God want with me? And so Moses didn't have to stay. He could run or he could stay. He could run and miss God's message and ignore it, make up excuses, the roast is on at home, I've got to get home. (laughs) Or he could stay, as humbling as that might be, as hard as it might be, and say, God, what is it you've got to say to me? Very rarely are we willing to hear what God has to say. 
Very rarely. We normally have our own opinions and our own justifications and things, but very rarely are we willing to stop and just go, God, what are you saying? Very rarely. So Moses, I'm not sure if he understands fully. He doesn't because God hasn't said that. But why are you here, God, is what he's thinking. But he says, I'm going to stay and we're going to find out what God wants with me. If you're on a journey of faith, in other words, if you're not a Christian yet, if you haven't had an encounter with Jesus, I know what's going to happen if you're here today. This is normally how it works. I've seen it over many years. God will keep drawing you and drawing you and drawing you, and then you'll get to the point where you either stay or you run. Because you get to the point you realize this is life-changing. If I accept Jesus, everything in my life's going to change. It's a huge decision. But some of you will be tempted to run and not hear what God's got to say. Can I just encourage you, don't run. Ask God, what brings you to me? What are you doing in my life, God? What are you doing through my people? What, why am I here? Ask God what he's doing. If you're already a child of God, we need to be asking all the time, God, what are you doing here? Because he still wants to be an influence in your life. He doesn't want you to stop. He hasn't finished with you yet. And the reality of our Christian experience is we are always growing, always changing, always transforming. If we're not, we're not listening to God. If our tent pegs are so far down that we're not willing to change, we're not listening to God. So here's Moses. I wonder, he's asking the question in his mind, God, what are you doing here? But the most important thing was Moses said, here I am. Here I am, God. I, I want to hear what you've got to say. And then as we move on, we see it's a message of rescue. <laughs> uh, God, uh, Moses said, I'm listening, and God's going to just fill him with joy and hope. It's going to be a challenge. He's going to be still scared, but it's perhaps not what he was expecting. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people. I've heard them crying, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of the land. And then, yeah, Frank did such a good job of quoting all those people. That's, I'll leave that to him. <laughs> so God's answer to the question, Moses is thinking, why have you come? God's answer to him and to us is, I've come to rescue you. I've come to restore you. And what do we see here? We see a God who sees everything. I'm aware of your distress and your misery. We see a God who hears. I've heard your prayers. We have a God who cares. I feel for your suffering and we have a God who acts. I'm going to rescue you. What a wonderful picture. A God who sees, hears, cares and acts. Uh, only last week I was rescued. It's a good news story so you can relax, don't get stressed. <laughs> but I can remember when my rescuer arrived, I said and thought and was beaming or jumping with this idea, I'm glad you came, I'm glad you came. You remember a couple of weeks ago how I talked about someone influenced me and in mucking around with old Audi cars? Well, I think God just gave me this story so I've got a great illustration for today or something, but... Um, I was heading to Jimboomba, I mentor a couple of young pastors out that way, and I was on the Logan Motorway, <laughs> and this old Audi, which is 22 years old, died and broke down on the Logan Motorway. <laughs> a 
Fortunately, I just got to the side, but there was about six inches between me and that white line, so it was about 12 inches from me and all the semi-trailers doing 110 k's on the motorway. <laughs> so what do you do? Well, I rang up the RACQ, <laughs> who rang up the, uh, a, a group that looks after the things, I forget what they call them, the incident team. And here I am in the car thinking, hmm, what's going to happen? Because the traffic was going full bore, uh, all those things. So I was starting to feel a little anxious, I must say. But then I started to feel a little embarrassed because a truck came and then looked like two motorbikes with flashing lights came. <laughs> and one was there stopping the traffic and the guy comes out and I'm thinking, what's he going to be like? He was the most cheerful guy ever. Oh, g'day, mate, what's happened? Yeah, we're just going to have to close the lane off for a while. So I'm feeling about this big. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and there's lights and they're closing lanes and these trucks are coming around the corner. And, oh, I tell you what, <laughs> I'm starting to feel really self-conscious. And my next immediate thought was, how much is this going to cost? <laughs> how much will this cost me? But it was all good. Excellent people. I actually needed two tow trucks. Uh, they tow you off the motorway to a safe place and then I had to ring RACQ again to get another tow truck to take me home. Amazing. I'm in the second tow truck and you know how we're meant to introduce people to Jesus? And I'm thinking, Paul, you've got to do this, you're the pastor, you're telling other people to do it, you start to do this. So I'm trying to start this conversation with this young guy who's about 30 and I got out to the stuff and he knew my surname and we talked about where I came from and I said, oh look, I'm a pastor of the church and he says, I know. Uh, okay, he said, uh, I went to school at Victoria Point with your sister, with your sister, with my, with my daughter Lauren, sorry. He already knew I was a pastor. Somehow he put the name and Lauren and knew what I did. Uh, we didn't go much further than that. He put the brakes on it pretty quickly, but it's just how God works. God came to rescue us. That was his purpose. He came to rescue Moses, but in turn he comes to rescue us. And he got Moses' attention and Moses could have either stayed and listened to what God had to say or he could run and not hear it. It's always a good idea to stay and listen to God why he comes because his message is this, I'm going to rescue you. And just as God sent Moses to rescue the people out of Egypt, God sent Jesus to rescue you. Do you know my little episode on the freeway? all the tow trucks and flashing lights and closing down lanes and angry truck drivers and the whole works, didn't cost me a cent. Next time you pay your toll at the, when you go over a road, just think of me because your toll contributed to that team of six people and cutting down the economy of Logan. I don't know what I did, but... <laughs> it's a free gift. It's incredible that the God of the universe came down to rescue the people out of Egypt, that God sent Jesus to come down and rescue you. It doesn't cost you anything. He's done it all, <laughs> freely and willingly. All we need to do is put our faith in the one who is the life giver, Jesus. <laughs> and we need to understand that when we are willing to stay and say, God, give it to me, tell me what you're thinking, I'm not going to run, I'm not going to make excuses, I'm not going to blame someone else, but when we stand in front of the presence of God, a bush that doesn't burn out, a bush that talks, when we're overwhelmed by the magnificence and the greatness of the power of God, don't run. Ask God 
what is it you want to say to me? Because it always ends in good news. It might be painful and difficult and humbling and life-changing, but it always ends in good news. Always. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them, so now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And in the same way, God sent Jesus. Jesus healed the sick. He cast out demons. He calmed the sea. He fed 5,000. He spoke lovingly to a prostitute. Jesus did all sorts of things, but it all culminates in this. (laughs) Jesus went to the cross for you to rescue you. To rescue you. Free gift of faith. The good news of Jesus Christ. And if you were to ask God what brings you down... He would say, I came down, I gave my son Jesus to rescue you, a free gift. And so the most significant verse in this whole chapter for me, in light of what we're talking about today, is verse 4. And Moses says, here I am. I'm willing to hear what you've got to say. Will you and I do the same? If you're not yet a Christian, if you're on that journey, God, I want to hear it all. I'm not going to run because this is life-changing. Yes, it's life-changing, but hang around, it's good news. And the other thing I want to just encourage you, if you're already a child of God, there's a really important lesson in this for us. (laughs) God didn't want Moses tending sheep for the rest of his life. God didn't want Moses' life to shape by his failures and his faults and his mistakes. God had something else. And I'm beginning to realise and understand that we don't get to the point where we say God's finished speaking to us or he's finished with us. Don't ever think we've made it or we arrived or we've understand. I don't care. I'm a mature person, but if you are 80 or 90 or 100 years, you cannot say God has finished with me. I know it all. Moses wasn't meant to end the rest of his life tending sheep. Nothing wrong with being that, but God had something else for Moses and God may well have something else for you. God wants to rescue you from your failures and your faults and your disappointments and your frustrations and your anger. God wants to rescue you from those things that bind you, those things that rob you of your joy. God wants to rescue you. Just as I sent Moses, I'm sending Jesus. He's made his home within us. We have his spirit He leads and guides and talks to, he comforts, he confronts, he empowers, he guides and he directs. The only trouble is that when we have an encounter with God or God turns up, we don't always do what Moses do. Normally what we do is we run. (laughs) Too busy, God? Yeah, I know that. I've got it all sorted. I don't need to hear from you. I'm in a good place. Been on this journey for 50 years now. But if we're willing to say when we have an encounter from God like Moses, here I am, Lord, tell me what you've got to say. Tell me what you've got to say. Let's pray.